Welcome to StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. This is a show where we talk about all things to do with live streaming and also keep you up to date what's going on with StreamYard, share some tips about video production, live video, and putting a show together, and a variety of different topics that fit under the StreamYard community banners. We know people use StreamYard for live streaming, for podcasting, for doing interviews, for YouTube videos, and we're going to talk about Focus. We're going to focus on show design today. We have Kyle Bondo from GagglePod joining us in about 10 minutes, and he's going to talk about how you can design a show, whether it's a live streaming show or a podcast or both, a show that is built to last, that will have some longevity, that will stick around while you go about the process of building an audience. So look forward to having Kyle on in just a bit. Also, we hope everybody's doing well or as well as can be doing under the circumstances. Um, live streaming during the pandemic can be difficult on a few different areas. One, you may be a little bit down about the news. You may have people that you know who aren't feeling good. You may be wondering, do I go live? Do I not go live? And even though on this show we preach consistency a lot, there's no right or wrong answer to this. You have to do what works for you. So if you need a break, if you need to take a month away or something like that, go ahead and do it. Do whatever you need to do for your own physical and mental and emotional well-being. Um, I took a, a like about a month and a half off from streaming in in the middle of 2017 and... I came back with more energy and, and things just started happening for me after that. So while consistency can be the right thing at times, it's not always the necessary thing. And people often tell you when you're listening to so-called experts, they will tell you often what they did in order to achieve some level of success. That doesn't mean that it's the right answer for you. Be careful of anybody who can't see more than one way to do that. You have to be flexible to what works with you. You listen to some advice. You listen to some good ways of doing things. But ultimately, you have to think about what works for you. And what might work for you right now is to take a break. But if you don't need a break, if you feel good about going live, then the next question is, do you keep your content the same or do you back off a little bit? Do you do you address the elephant in the room? Do you talk about the coronavirus? And that is a tough one as well because to not acknowledge it is is to seem insensitive. It's to seem that you're not concerned about what the audience is going through. On the other hand, People come to these shows to escape from the worries and the stress and the boredom and some of the things that set in when you are confined to home over a long period of time when you're being bombarded with bad news a lot of the time. And so I think if you're up to doing a show, do your show, do your content, address it, but then move on because uh, people want 
a taste of normalcy. And that can be watching a familiar show can be that that escape for people, that sense of normalcy, that sense that there are things in life that are continuing to go on that they can enjoy and take something away from. So if if it's good for you to stream, stream. If it's good for you to do the type of content you normally do while being sensitive to obviously what's going on in the environment, do your show. We need entertainment. We need to laugh. We need to learn. We need to think. We need to come together. Uh, that is my two cents on what is going on as far as the coronavirus goes. And again, we have Kyle Bondo coming up in just a bit. Let's get to some news about uh, live streaming. What's going on with live streaming? Uh, we have a better view than that. Actually, let me first mention the new studio. What do you think? Studio. <laughs> we'll put it in quotes. Do you like it? Do you do you think it's interesting? Do you think, hey, go back to uh, the two doors behind you or a solid color or uh, a few little lights or something behind you? Or do you like the feel of the new studio? Let me know if you'd like to see more of this look or if you're thinking, what the heck is he doing there? Um, of course, I'm doing this using the StreamYard green screen, which is one of the great features of StreamYard. It's really easy to use, and you can get the right kind of background image. You can tinker with that image. And there's some amazing things you can do with the StreamYard green screen. And for somebody who wasn't initially interested in green screens, I've kind of fallen in love with this thing. And I think I stayed up one night, all night, just searching for the right photo, video that I could pull a, a, a still from and work on and make something out of it. And of course, I also... Got some help from a friend, uh, Gord Eisman, maybe watching. He was good enough to help me rotate the StreamYard Connect logo there so that it actually looks like it's moving in in or line or aligned with uh, the frame that it's that it's sitting in. So that that's pretty cool. And uh, we we dialed up the lighting a little bit from what I normally do and. I'm liking it. I hope you are. I'm open to changing. If you're not, that is what we're doing here. So thank you again for joining us. Uh, let's get to some news about StreamYard real quick as uh, we are uh, sharing. Okay, I'm, I'm going to stumble through this. It's my first time doing it this way. I have always been a big proponent of overlays, but I wanted to do it as a screen share today and kind of get that skill set down. So here we are uh, learning it on the fly. And because StreamYard's easy to use, it's going to take me maybe one quick stumble here and we'll get into it. So as you know, the three pillars of StreamYard, as you see the co-founders, Gage Vandentop on the left and Dan Briggs on the right, the three pillars are ease of use, stability, and professional-looking live streams. Of course, the destinations you can stream to, Facebook, LinkedIn Live, YouTube, Periscope, which gets you on Twitter, and you can go to Twitch. And if you need to go to other platforms, StreamYard has RTMP. It's basically you go get a stream key from the destination. You plug that into StreamYard. It's fairly easy, and you can go to uh that any almost any platform that can 
except RTMP. And there's multi-streaming, so if you are on the basic plan, you can go to two destinations. If you're on the pro plan, you can go up to five destinations. StreamYard, also on both of those plans, records your broadcast and holds on to it as both an MP4 and an MP3 that you can download, and that is stored by StreamYard for seven days. I recommend always doing that, even if you're recording locally or you're, you're going to down, it, it's a better quality recording than what you're going to get from the destination you stream to. And, um, it's, even if you're recording locally, I would still keep it as, as a backup. And like I say, like I've said in the past, if you want to make a podcast, you have the MP3 right there. You can work on, or again, if you're recording locally, keep it as uh, backup. So that is the destinations. We are going to f- five destinations on four platforms, basically all of the above, except for YouTube. We're going to two destinations on LinkedIn Live. And of course, that's important to remember because StreamYard is an official tool for using LinkedIn Live. So with people working from home, we're seeing stars coming out and using StreamYard, uh, one of the ones that really caught my eye was Ben Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie. And I got to be honest, I had no idea about this band. I've heard the name, um, but I I just love the way he went about his live streams and communicating with the audience, taking requests, telling stories. And he had 90,000 YouTube views alone on on March 27th, which was uh, pretty wild. And um, it's just interesting to see people using it. Rosie O'Donnell has also used StreamYard for her talk show. So a lot of attention uh, to StreamYard right now as celebrities and people are working from home, can't do concerts, can't go into the studio to host their show. And some of them are turning to StreamYard as StreamYard continues to become a more popular option for live streaming. And the CEO, Gage Vandentop, was quoted in Polestar, and the article was about how Death Cab for Cuties' Ben Gibbert built community amid coronavirus, how he was going live daily, and now he liked it so much he's going to continue doing a weekly show, at least as long as people are quarantined at home. And um, I thought I would just bring in what Gage had to say because it was very interesting. He talked about wanting to make a tool that basically gave someone who didn't really know about computers but still had interesting content and interesting stuff to share. We wanted to give them the tools to make an entertaining stream. He said that was the genesis of StreamYard. Let's make a tool that makes it easy for non-gamers to become live streamers. And... I also thought it was interesting to see what Ben Gibbard had to say about using StreamYard and its ease of use was a big attraction for him. He said, I'm not a very good engineer with self-deprecation. It's hard to bleep up putting a mic in front of an amp and then plugging that into Pro Tools. You have to be really bad to mess that up, but it's a whole nother animal to try and figure out how to do this. His, I believe it was manager in the article said that he's being very modest, that he actually does have good technical skills. But nonetheless, one of the big takeaways from the article was that 
it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be high tech. Um, he he called his broadcast kind of lo-fi, and he said the audience seemed to like that. They seemed to like uh, just his ability to be there, to show up for them, to relate, to talk to the chat, which he was not familiar with doing uh, in the past. And, and so this was a new area for him and he really enjoyed that interaction and is going to continue, uh, doing shows, which is great. And Gary V, everybody knows Gary V in the online world. He's hosting his tea with Gary V show using StreamYard. There's a photo from a screenshot from yesterday's show. I believe it was. And, uh, he, He's done some of his own uh, overlays and background to put his own branding on it. He's using the logo feature, very nicely done. And he seems to really uh, take a liking to StreamYard, which is great. And uh, he always gets a big audience for his show. So great to see Gary V using StreamYard. And this is StreamYard Connect. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Ross Brandt, and we're here every other Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on a variety of platforms, including the StreamYard Facebook page. That's probably the easiest one. If you're not using StreamYard, you can get started for free. You can stream for up to 20 hours for free. The green screen feature is available even to free users Head on over to LivestreamUniverse.com slash StreamYard, LivestreamUniverse.com slash StreamYard to sign up and start streaming today. And let's bring in, in just a moment, we're going to bring in our guest, Kyle Bondo. I'm so excited to have Kyle on. He is one of the more intelligent people you're going to find in the online space. He's brought I just love when people bring from another discipline. They bring from another area something that they can bring to bear on the industry that they're working in. So in his case, I think he's bringing it from his day job to his passion, but that's that's great because it's a whole nother approach to podcasting, and I think it really applies to live streaming, and that's the area of design. Kyle is the chief creative at GagglePod. He co-hosts PodRec with Tim Bryan, and that's a show that's very industry-focused and focused on helping people uh, stay up-to-date with what's going on in podcasting. Uh, he's also the host of Not Easily Squished, which is the show that's probably most closely related to the topic we're going to discuss today. He's been a speaker at many of the major podcasting events. He founded the Virginia Podcasters Association and he's, like I said, he's very smart, got a, a master of science in applied information technology from Georgetown, uh, George Mason University, from George Mason University. And if that isn't enough, let's bring on Kyle. He graduated with a 4.0. How do you do that? Lots and lots of uh, coffee. Lots of coffee, huh? <laughs> like Patriots, yeah. It, it's funny. I was looking at your LinkedIn. You were actually in graduate school, like the same three-year period that I was. So. <laughs> I did everything backwards. So, like, instead of getting out of high school and going into uh, going to college, you know, and starting your career, I uh, I joined the Navy. So I did everything backwards. I went and saw the world first, and uh, you know, 
ate dirt and did weird stuff and then then went to college and so that was a that was it's like almost when you're going to school and you're in your 30s and 40s right i think school has a whole different meaning <laughs> oh it was a whole different experience for me like i never thought that i would do anything other than just like like get the degree learn what i need to learn and get out of there i didn't think i would like as be be as much into the experience as i was yeah. but it was like wow it's like a privilege to be able to do this again after uh being in the working world for 20 years almost 20 years after graduating from from college when i went to grad school exactly and and i became that student that everyone was like didn't like so all the all the kids are there <laughs> they're like all right uh, so are there any questions and then like my hand would come up and they're like oh no kyle's got a question we're gonna be here forever and yeah that was i hey i'm i when you're paying for it and your parents aren't paying for it suddenly the questions matter and getting the knowledge matters and right. having the, the you want every dollar's worth that you're going to use matters and so i i was uh I think I, I think I got way more than my, my money's worth out of that education. So tell <laughs> us how you learned about design principles and bringing a philosophy of design to creating content online in audio form. Well, I went about it uh, the same way uh, every other designer gets about it is uh, you, uh, you find out that you're in a room full of engineers and no one understands what the customer or the user actually wants to do with a piece of technology. Mm -hmm. So someone says, well, someone's got to do it. And it's like, you go, well, I, I, I like to draw. So maybe that's me. Uh, I started when, uh, so, uh, come on, like a way, way, way back machine. Before I went in the Navy, I, uh, I went and got myself a technical degree in electromechanical engineering, which is a fancy way of saying computer-assisted drafting. So I've been, <laughs> I've been in the engineering drafting world my whole life, and I uh, couldn't get a job in it. It was 91, 92 when the uh, job freeze happened, and so I was like, well, maybe I could do something else. So I joined the Navy in the intelligence uh, side of the house, so completely divergent. But what it did is it took me down this path where eventually I ended up with this group at the at the defense intelligence agency where we were building software for for military operations that no one could use there was all this software people were building and no one could use it we had to teach classes on how to how to how to build it it was in that and that it was so engineered that you would take almost a 3 day class to teach a sailor or soldier marine how to actually use the software wow so we started getting curious in user interface design and user experience design. And that's really where I got my first taste of that. And once I got that into my, into my, into my system, I couldn't get it out. So it became going to, to every design book I get my hands on. I started doing uh, night school with design, uh, the elements in the community. I joined the, uh, the American Institute of graphic artists. I started getting deep into this, you know, this, design philosophy and it turns out that when i got out of the navy every engineering job i ever went to every it job I went to they were horrible at this skill <laughs> they did it's like every piece of software they built it, it seems to be this like common running joke is that every piece of software or any kind of application built by an engineer is unusable by the people who intended to use it right right 
and that's and that's kind of that's where that happened. It's uh, so from that I, I I developed this way of making of usability simplicity. I started the masters started talking to me about things like you know less is better or things like that. Right, and it just followed me my whole life. Okay, so now we have people watching who are like, okay, how does this get me more viewers? How does this get me more <laughs> listeners? Uh, so That's talk great. about how you were able to apply this now to the concept of creating a podcast, creating a show, uh, which again, I, I think works. The concept from the way I understand it, which probably isn't like 1% of what you understand, but as I understand it, I think it applies equally to a podcasting show or a live streaming show. Um, oh, if you say no, we can just shut the segment down right now. But no, I, I see it as, as applying to both. So talk about how, how, how this all fits together with your approach to podcasting, show creation, and, and how you work with your clients as well. Sure. So the concept is, and this, I think this is true in, in video and live streaming as it is in podcasting is the first step everyone thinks is, is, is the first step is I buy a microphone or I buy a camera and I buy a microphone and I just turn it on. And I start talking, right? That's how it works. And then I'm famous. I get 10,000 or 10 million downloads and now I'm PewDiePie and you know, I'm rolling in cash. Hmm. Uh, the dirty little secret is that's like step eight. <laughs> right, there are right. Seven steps, and and someone even joked the other day is more like there's like forty seven steps that happen before that, and it happens with any kind of creative endeavor at all, and that's to go back to the very beginning and understand why the heck are you doing this, and it seems elementary, yet it is the most overlooked thing about any kind of endeavor that anyone ever takes on, is what is my purpose? What is exactly what exactly am I working on? And it has four pieces. If you think about describing your why, it has really four pieces. First, you have to identify your core idea. And mm -hmm. your core idea usually comes from a, like a passion, something you're, you're, you're hobby about, uh, something that people tell you, oh, my God, Kyle, I wish you would shut up about that. That's, the, that's probably your passion. People <laughs> tell you to shut up. That's your passion. That just take, you know, take people's uh, word for it. Uh, it comes from your experience. Maybe you've done 20 years of something and now you know to do away something a way that no one else does. This is this is very common with people who have what's called tacit knowledge, which is they know pieces of things because they were there and other people can't reverse engineer that because they weren't there. And that gives them an, an insight that no one else has. Third is curiosity is you want to learn something and you want to learn something bad. This happens with history buffs a lot especially in older generations who want to like undiscover the civil war, like I've been doing lately right. or, you know, explain to me world war one or, or even other curiosities like uh, mysteries or, you know, true crime. That seems to be a big popular vein lately. But that's a core idea from that comes the second one, which establish a direction is okay. You have, you have one topic. There are like 15,000 different verticals within that one topic. You know, I could take a, 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 a keep, Good one I use all the time is I uh, use the the example of pirates. Is pirates know exactly <laughs> what their why is? When you see a pirate flag on the horizon, you know exactly what you're about to receive. You know exactly everybody on that pirate ship is going to do exactly <laughs> what you need them to do. You know, as a customer of the pirates, what uh, what to expect, mm -hmm. and everyone is on board. This is the power of your why. So your direction needs to be very specific, and you want to be very niche down into a, a perspective in that way and not really perspective but the direction is is 
boil your content down to one thing. Sure. Can you expand later? Yeah. But right now do one thing, do one mm. thing. Don't do 15 things, do one thing and try that and make that work. Cause then you can do two things and three things and so on. So that's a direction. The third thing is perspective. Everyone has a bias. Everyone has an angle about something. I could say Coke. My youngest child will say Pepsi. Hmm. I could say, uh, well, we could do politics. Republicans, someone say Democrat. I could say uh, Apple. Someone say, well, I'm sorry, I'm a PC guy. <laughs> Everyone has a bias about something. Uh, podcasting, video, right? So same day, same difference. You have a bias. What's your bias? What's your angle? And what's the other bias on the other side? What's the what's the opposite? Why would someone say that's dumb? I don't like that. What would that argument be? And know what those biases are. And of course, the fourth thing is who's your audience? Not everybody who watches video is my audience. <laughs> right, right. That's not an audience. That is, there's people with eyeballs, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe you know, maybe it's robots too. An audience is. Let's go back to my pirate example. People who like history, eh. Well, people who like nautical history, okay, maybe. People who like pirate history, okay. People who like pirate history for one particular pirate. Now you're starting to really go down this road. And the reason why this applies to both video and podcasting in, in, in general, in, in, in the entirety, is because every single video you're creating, every single stream yard thing you are creating has the same principles. It doesn't matter what content you're making. Mm -hmm. If you're writing a book, if you're creating a comic, if you're doing a video, if you're creating a podcast, all of them require you to have a core idea, a direction, a perspective, and know who your target audience is. If you do not have those four people, no one is going to watch you. This is why you have five views on your YouTube channel. No one's watching you. But why? Because you did a video on cars, and you did a video about pirates, and you did a video about uh, you know, body riding a bike. It's not consistent. There's no why. No one knows why you're doing it. What is your why? This is why design matters. Because those seven steps for podcasters, right. those seven steps for streamers and video people are the same seven steps for people who do anything else in the content world. This is not rocket science. I didn't discover something and go, oh, I've, you know, the magic is happening. This is the problem with technology is you buy a camera or you buy a microphone and now you think, I just turn it on and I start talking. <laughs> You get to episode 13, and now you don't know what you're talking about anymore. And right. your audience doesn't know what you're talking about because the audience keeps moving in and out. This is why it matters. Bonnie says, this is outstanding content. Thank Thanks. you. And I want to just bring in a question real quick from Supriti. She says, you're talking about podcasts. Is it possible to do from StreamYard? And thanks to Tim, Brian, your... Uh, co-founder of GagglePod for uh, telling the uh, answer there, saying StreamYard gives you an MP4 and an MP3, so you can take the MP3 and upload it to your media host for a podcast. That's a perfect answer. So thank you, Tim, for that as we, we, we move along. So what people start, most people will start out with no, almost no audience, right? There are people who... If they're longtime podcasters, they can move Pete and they have a big audience on one show. Yes, they can design a new show and move their audience over. If they're live streamers and they already have a huge YouTube channel following, they're probably going to have a lot of people show up when they tell their their followers, their community that they're they're live streaming. But for most other people, the biggest concern when they when they start is what if nobody listens? What if nobody watches? 
which for me was like number 100 on my list of concerns when I first went live. Like, I hope nobody watches. Then I can get all the mistakes out and <laughs> be ready when an audience comes in. But but that tends to be the, the big concern is that, hey, I'm just going to talk into this microphone X number of times. Nobody's really going to care. Nobody's going to watch. Nobody's going to listen. And you know what? That may well be true, even if you do everything right in the design process, right? You you have to start at zero and you have to build from there. And where does the where in the process, I guess, like you're setting up the process so you're gonna find that niche audience, right? So what do you say to people when they come to you and they say, Okay, we put the design plan together, I'm executing, I'm I'm talking about a niche, I have a take on things, and nobody's there yet. What what is what is the missing piece for people when it's not happening? So the missing piece for people that's not when it's not happening is patience, mm. unfortunately. This is a long game. This is a long strategy. This is a marathon. And I'm not talking a marathon like two weeks, two months. I'm talking two years, mm-hmm. maybe even longer than that. If you think about, uh, there's a great quote from Steve Jobs. It says, uh, the overnight success took 10 years. Right. And there are very variations on that. I like to use Joe Rogan as a perfect example of this. Joe Rogan's show, the Joe Rogan experience, is exploded. Millions of downloads. Everyone's watching it. It's at the top of every chart. And he does video and podcasting, so it's relevant in this space too. But what is the thing about Joe Rogan that people don't consider? It's the fact that he was on Fear Factor, the fact that he uh, he was on a couple other game shows, that he's a stand-up comedian, that he's been a stand-up comedian for almost 20 years, that uh, he was also an MAA uh, announcer, he has all these other things going on in the background before he ever launched a podcast or ever did anything on, on his show. So if you think about what you have to do to gain an audience, consistency and having a very focused why gets you the your content concise to where one video or podcast episode rolls into the next one rolls in the next one rolls in the next one this consistent theme across all your all your content where you become known for that thing it also requires you to do something else which may make you uncomfortable which is you're going to have to go outside of your of your bubble you have to leave mm-hmm. the house and go tell people hey i have a I have a live stream i have a podcast this is conferences and maybe not just conferences about your technology or about your, you know, whatever channel you like, uh, media channel, it may be, what is your content about? Now, take for instance, if I have a video or a podcast about pirates, and yeah, I'm going to beat this pirate thing all day long, (laughs) but uh, it's because it's the, when when you see the pirate brand, you know exactly what you're going to get. It's the most consistent brand ever on the planet. Right. No confusion about what pirates are going to give. That's why I love it. But when you have a, a podcast or a video about pirates, are you are you going to some sort of was it September nineteenth is the Talk Like a Pirate Day? Are you participating in Talk Like Talk Like a Pirate Day? Do you visit Jamestown or go to Boston where Old Ironsides is at, where the pirate people like to go? Are you uh, participating in medieval festivals or 
going places where you think that the people would dress up? How about Comic Cons or Galaxy Quest or Galaxy Con? Are you going to the dress up things? If you do a podcast of a pirate, are you dressing like a pirate and showing up? Are you totally committed to this kind of thing? Now, this might seem absurd, and I like to uh, illustrate absurdity with absurdity. <laughs> the concept, though, is is just because you turn the camera on and you're talking about this, no one's going to find you quite directly right away. The long, the long play, the long strategy mm-hmm. happens by building consistent content over time. The next thing you do is then explore your world where your audience lives and try to show them what you do. Be a part of the community. Take an interest in what your listeners or your audience is doing. This is how you slowly build an audience over time. It takes a long time, which is what the patience part is. If you're doing all the right things, the only thing missing is time. Consistent time and, and content built over time will get you there. I've had podcasts that are three years old, long, they're very, very old in the sense of when they started, they're right. just now starting to get some, some traction. When you start to shift over to other things, you start to get known for the thing you did before. And now right. that you built one thing, then you get known for the next thing. You get known for the next thing. You start to build this momentum. And then the next thing you do is you launch your fifth channel and everyone goes, oh yeah, that's Kyle and that's Ross. They're doing mm-hmm. their show and we all know them. So yeah, that's, we're, obviously I like their old stuff. So and I like the way they talk, I'll go to their new stuff. That's how this happens. It happens with momentum over a long period of time. So get your running shoes on, get yourself a glass of water, right? It's going to be, it's going to be a while, but don't quit. This is the problem is when you do all this and you decide, ah, this is too hard and that's okay. Some people in this, in this industry, it's not for them. Right. It, building this kind of content is not for them. And, and it's okay. There maybe there's other things you can do. But you have to realize that this is not easy. Turn the camera on and just talk is not easy. A lot of these people who are really famous who do these things are not doing it because they just turn the camera on and start looking. And you'll see jump cuts. You'll see that uh, they have a specific topic. They're mm-hmm. very they're very concise in what they say. They've rehearsed that. They've scripted a lot of things. They already know right. what they're going to talk about. You have to do the same thing. You really have to love it, don't you? I mean, because when I was getting started in radio, um, we couldn't really, like, the people that are sort of my peers, like, really couldn't believe that we were getting paid to do this. Like, because we would, we all started doing it for free first and then got hired by, like, you got to make a tape, you got to get some practice, nobody hires you on air without having some sort of experience, and... So anybody who sticks around long enough to get paid, unless they come in famous or they're a big author, they're a big TV personality or, you know, a celebrity, an actor, or an athlete, they they had to enjoy it enough to stick through doing it for nothing before they were doing it to get paid, right? And I think that's, it may not be getting paid, but it may be building a community, it may be able to promote your business or whatever it is that your longer term goal is, you have to love it enough to stick through some rough shows, some shows where nobody shows up, some shows where you have some technical difficulties and some shows that you think, wow, I really hit a home run on this. And you know what? It didn't, it didn't make a dent, right? No more subscriptions, no more uh, activity on social media. 
I, I guess w- w- what comes to mind is you talked about promoting in person, becoming a part of the community that's you, that, that that is interested in your subject matter. What about promotion on social media? What do you see from people? Is that how important is that from from your vantage point, and where does that fit into to growing an audience? The difficulty with social media is something that uh, I like to quote Matt Passy, who's another podcaster in this space, to, says all the time: "Is uh, when you go online to pump your your channel, and all you say is, I have a video, I have a podcast. Have you seen my podcast? I have a video. See my piece. You're like the guy on the street screaming at people. Right? No one's going to come to your show." The way that social media has to work is you have to take the Gary V approach. And if you uh, if you're not familiar with Gary Vanderchuk, who uh, you know he's this guy on on YouTube and on <laughs> podcasting, you, you know he's around. Just just Google his name. He's, you know you'll see some stuff. <laughs> anyway, I kid. Gary V is is awesome. I, I he's one of my he's one of my five gurus in the morning. The uh, the Gary V approach and a StreamYard user, by the way. And it's, well, there you go. A nice, uh, nice pitch there. Yeah, Gary V. That's a hundred bucks, buddy. Um, he does something he calls give, 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 then ask. Jab, 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 right hook. I think that's the title of his one of his books too. And his whole philosophy, and he's not the only one. There's several other people with that, with that philosophy. Is you need to be giving to your community, which means when you show up to your community, because they live somewhere, there is a concept called the sales safari. And it was coined by a lady named Amy Hoy, who runs uh, Stacking Bricks. Hmm. And she talked about somewhere in the world, on- online, your audience lives. They talk, they complain, they sell by want, they talk about, they talk about all these things. And in that sale so far, if you think about it, is call that a watering hole. And that watering hole is where all the animals within your community gather and they all come for a drink. As a person who wants people to, to consume their content, you need to go with your bird stand because, you know, we're going to be we're gonna be animal friendly right now. Go with your bird stand and your camera, put up a blind and find out what they're doing. It's called lurking with purpose. And you go and find out what are they talking about? What are they not talking about? What do they hate? What do they like? What do they do? What do they buy? What do they know? What do they read? What are mm-hmm. they complaining about? You need to find out all those things. That's the first element of content creation because you need to know what does my audience want? Well, go find out what they're talking about. There's plenty of places. Here's the ones off the top of my head. Reddit, great place to go. Uh, right. Amazon reviews, perfectly place to go. Um, there is uh, all sorts of uh, blogs and 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 places where communities are chatting, Facebook, uh, uh, even Instagram, you can find some people's DMs. You can find all these kind of different places to find out what your audience is actually talking about. So if you think about lurking with purpose and looking what they're doing, find out then how can you help them? A perfect example is, especially in like even because, you know, I'm a podcaster, you know, full disclosure, you go into the podcasting blogs or to the feeds within Facebook, you'll get the one guy and I'm, I'm almost positive you'll get this in the streaming stuff. You get the one guy who goes, um, how do I start a podcast? Right. And of course, the jackals come out and they're like, oh, man, dude, it's called Google. And they start getting all. But that's not really the answer. The question that the person is asking, the person's asking, 
I'm stuck somewhere in the process and I don't know what to do next, but I'm afraid to tell you where I'm stuck because I don't know what the answer will be because they've had that response and they get. So if you do some investigating, say, well, you know, how far have you gotten along? Where are, what have you done so far? What, uh, what kind of things are you looking to do? And you actually start engaging the community. The thing that I love about social media is you might be engaging with one person, there is 20 other people hmm. watching what you are doing and they are listening to what you are doing or reading in this sense. And they might be not be engaging, but they're also lurking with purpose. This is the give, give, give or jab, jab, jab philosophy. You go and help that person. You help other people. You start helping all over the place. You become known in that community as the person who helps answer questions. The right. person who can help you get past this stuck part. What happens is people then go, well, who is this Kyle Bondo guy? Let me go. Oh, hey, he's got this other thing and this other thing. He actually, you know, and I heard he answered this guy's question really well. And he answered that lady's question really well. You know what? Maybe he maybe he knows something and click on my channel and then they subscribe. They right. download my podcast. Next thing you know, I have a listener. Next thing you know, I have a listener to all my stuff. Next thing you know, all of a sudden I'm getting downloads over the place. And then at the end of that, someone goes, I need one-on-one -on -one consulting. Can you have, can you, can you get on a 30 minute call with me? Right. You know, I'll pay whatever you need me to pay. That's how that happens. It's again, the marathon. You have to be giving all the time. That's when you'll start because you can't really cash that in until you've actually become a trusted member of the community. That was so well explained and so well put that if you're listening to this and you didn't get it all, go back and take notes word for word. Seriously. That that was an amazing explanation of of how it works. Um, I want to mention that you have a a course coming, and it's going to be coming this summer, and it's called Podcast Worthy Step by Step Podcast Design System to design a podcast people will listen to. So if you like some of the ideas that uh, Kyle's talking about here, obviously you can go and and dig deeper. Tell us tell us a little more about the course, Kyle. I think it's it's awesome that you you you're the one who found it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of my secret little project I've had in the background. I did a little digging, eh? Yeah, I did. I'm, you I'm never know what you're gonna find. I'm impressed. <laughs> and I, and I put out the sales page out there to kind of like sign up to you know people who are interested in this. The whole idea behind this is I wrote a book. And uh, the book uh, languished in editorial cycles, and you know, then of course, you know, we we got all got we got and shut down into this in this place. Truth be told, Kyle, I was looking for your book that I saw in the in the bio, and this came up, and I thought this is far more interesting than, than the book. Not that the, I'm sure the book is fantastic, but this is far more relevant to what yeah. you're up to right now. So I was it's like, this is great. I've never published the book. So <laughs> oh, okay. I've finished rough draft manuscript of the book that's been languishing for the past year or so. And, and Tim, my co-host, Tim Bryan has constantly been saying like, dude, get the book out, dude, get the book. Out. He's been like constantly on my tail for that. So I got to the point where I have a, a, a manuscript and I was like, well, maybe there's a better way to, 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 to do this. And so I took the book and I ripped it apart. And I started making modules out of it. And I started saying, well, if, what if you could teach just one thing and then teach this other thing? And I started getting into the ideas. I met uh, Jessica Stansberry at, uh, at PodFest and a couple other people who do that. And, of course, you too, Ross, about how do you – and this, again, I'm the amateur in the video thing on, on this side. 
how do you you know, build the, the course out that people would actually be interested in in participating in? So I tried a little webinar and the webinar kind of worked. I did a little video thing like that. And that's how this kind of birthed out. I said, well, let's go. Look, I've, I own the domain name podcast worthy. I've been paying for it for two right. years. I haven't done anything with it. I originally thought I was going to call the book that. And then I said, okay, let's call it podcast worthy. And what, what's, what does podcast worthy mean? Well, podcast worthy means that if you do a design well, if you do your why, if you, you, you go down your content, the uh, descriptions and you build your content well and you know what you're going to do before you ever turn on the microphone a year in advance of topics that you could talk about you have enough stubs which are the kind of like the outlines of every topic or every every episode you're going to do would people be interested in in that would people be interested in this pre-production side of the house and i said okay let's experiment so tim and i for the past three years have been talking to people at meetups and the same questions come up over and over and over again. And then I've gone to all these podcasting conferences and I've talked about these topics and people come up to me at the end of these, these discussions all the time and ask me the same questions over and over again. And all of them go back to everything that happens before the microphone. Because see, I can teach people how to use a microphone. Technology to me is a piece of cake. Right. I've been doing technology my whole life. This stuff doesn't bother me at all. And it's getting uh, easier and easier. So It is. The process is almost becoming automated at some point. The problem is that soft stuff, the creative stuff, the ideation stuff, that's where everyone struggles with. And this is why, this is why I created this. I think this is the thing that people have missing. In every podcasting book, it's, the, it's that thin little three pages at the beginning that they go flip, flip, flip. Now buy a microphone. Yeah, those three pages, <laughs> I live in those three pages. That's my that's my bread and butter because I think if I can teach you this technology, all that stuff, there's all these other people that can do that for you. This part, however, none of those people will teach you, and that's why I created that. You know, that's interesting because I don't know if you were even aware, but I was at your talk at um, DC Podfest 2018, and you were talking about gear. Oh, and, yeah. it, and it was good. And I was just like, you know, I kind of know a lot about audio gear. And I was, okay, let's see what this guy's got to say, whatever. It was good talk. Um, but it didn't stand out. Like when you pick the design area to do your talks on, now it's like you're bringing something original that nobody else is discussing. And first I saw something, oh, Kyle, speaking about design. Okay, so you mean like my logo and uh, the color frame around? No, 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 no. It's designing what you're going to do in order to build an audience and stick around for a while. I'm like, this is really original, original stuff. Um, I, I, I guess I do want to ask you where, because people say, people often say, get started. It's okay. You're not, you're not polished yet. You got to learn by doing. You're not, um, you don't have everything, you don't have the best gear, you don't have uh, professional graphics, whatever. And, you know, a lot of people still, even five years in, like I am, I'm still mostly hacking together my own graphics and things, you know, and, and figuring it out as I, as I go along. Um, how important is that part of the process, the, you know, your podcast cover, your, you know, the logo that you might put in the the corner of your screen here, <laughs> you know, right. things like, like how important is that stuff to getting started? 
your 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 graphic that you're going to put out with each episode. H- how important is that the visual marketing side of things? I know that isn't the design process that you're bringing to it, but it's part of what makes a podcast or a live stream stand out sometimes before people actually dive into the content. Oh, so we're we're. Uh, when we're talking design every element right. so this this is again the the the, the multi discipline part of this because video and podcasting both have this extra visual thing mm-hmm. which is like thumbnails and cover art and branding that has is all part of part and parcel of that because even included in that is another design element which is like naming and you know you know show titles and like that right right i was at, at podfest this year in orlando uh, I was paired up. I was called a dynam- dynamic duo with uh, a gentleman named Mark uh, Delcoats, who runs uh, podcastbranding.co in Canada. And he made a great statement. And I'm going to totally steal his statement. And I did my presentation on my why and why you need to have all these things. Where Mark then said, Everything Kyle said is true, unless mm-hmm. they never hit play, then it doesn't matter. Right, and got into a very interesting talk on why show art matters, and and Tim and I have even talked about this in the upcoming Podrec episode, where if they don't hit play, none of the things that you worked on, the why, the content, your presentation, your equipment, your sound, none of that matters if they right. never hit play. <laughs> so, how important is that little square? It's it's vitally important, and that piece of real estate really is one of the one of the elements it's not all the only element but is one of the elements that if you don't have that squared away pun intended right that (laughs) you you will have people pass you by and this is a challenge for a lot of podcasters and i would even say even the thumbnails on videos for people who are trying to get people to hit play is right crafting that in a way that attracts somebody's interest this has a lot of elements to do with what photo you choose, how much garbage you throw in there, and what the name of not only your episode but your show is called. Because you don't want to be on fire or uh, the school of or any of those other things that a lot of people are. You want <laughs> right. to be something unique. You also don't want to have your your name, your email address, your website, your Twitter handle, your Instagram handle, uh, your short bio jammed into a square that's 32 by 32 pixels. That's not going to happen because everyone's got a phone now and that box is tiny. Right. It has enough for a, an image and maybe a name and maybe not even a name sometimes depending on how good your image is. So that's a key piece of, of your entire design process that you have to have. And, and when I explain this in, in a lot of the stuff that I've been doing, a lot of times show art and your name comes last. Right. You need to know your why. You need to know your direction, perspective, your audience. You need to handle what you're going to be talking about, what your bias that is. Out of that organically comes the name of your show. All too often I hear people go, oh, I'm going to create the Kyle Bondo podcast. Mm-hmm. Why are you going to call it that? Well, because I'm Kyle Bondo. I'm going to call that the podcast. Well, who, no one knows who you are. <laughs> why are you going to call it that? So you get the name first, and then the show idea will be created in a way. In, um, in the movie industry, especially with script writers, there's a, 
and I forget what the actual word is, but there's a script writing. There's a guy who says, uh, save the cat, I think is the book that this comes from. He talks about coming up with the, why is this film being made? And what's the one sentence that will, that will attract me to that? Write that one sentence. Then a show name or a movie name will come out of that. That's where they start at. Mm-hmm. So if you think about rather than, rather than creating the name and trying to shove a show into it, you should be creating your show, then figure out what the name is so that it matches with all the stuff. It, all the things, positioning is the key word here, that all of it aligns. That's how you're going to make that work. We're talking with Kyle Bondo from Gaggle Pod. If you have any questions for Kyle in our remaining minutes, please do throw them in the chat. I know there's some questions we didn't get to. Um, we wanted to stay on topic because this is really uh, a deep subject, and I will go back into the chat and answer any questions I can or point you in the right direction. Uh, but if you have any any questions for Kyle, do throw those in the chat as uh, we continue here on StreamYard Connect. Kyle, I, I guess you know one of the things that happens when people have been doing it for a while is they fall into patterns and they don't even know why they set the content schedule that they set, right? It's, it's Tuesday. My podcast has to come out. There were, they, they discovered, they, they set this, like, I have to promote on all these plat, like they set all these things that they have to do. And then they're a slave to the schedule that was probably done at a different time before they had built an audience, before they knew what they were doing, whatever. And they feel like they're not working if they're not doing it. How how often when more experienced people come to work with you, do you say, maybe you should do an audit. Maybe you should think about not doing a different show, but here's how you re-energize your current show. Here's how you, you pivot without losing your niche or your, your core audience or whatever. Like, where does that come from when when you say, this person needs to make a change but they have something that's so good that they 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 should not go and go. Okay, it's time to start a new podcast or a live stream show and 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 ditch this one. Well, so we so our meetup is the perfect our perfect laboratory for all these kind of things, and uh, we've had a couple of different people who have done really really good. They've done a lot of work. Let's put it that way. They don't want to work. They've built a an audience and they've started down this path and now they're they're kind of boxed themselves into a corner and not too sure which direction to go. Usually the the advice that we give comes from three different places. One is no matter what you do, someone's gonna not like it. Hmm. Get over it. There are gonna be people who are like, I don't like the new show, I'm out. They're gonna leave. That's fine. The show's not for them. They have they feel free not to watch or listen. The second one is that that usually the problem with a show like that is because they went too wide in their niche. They're trying to be everything mm-hmm. for everybody. You know, I want to do everything about racing. What kind of racing? Uh, off racing, motors racing, car racing, uh, people on feet. No, you need to niche down. And a lot of times the solution is they need to find the one niche that resonates with them the most and work in that for a little while until they get their, their mojo back. And then they could broaden out, and, or maybe a spinoff show. But usually, it's it's the niche down, niche down a little bit. The third is experiment. And you talked about uh, asking or auditing your audience. That's 
why not do that? I don't know why enough content creators don't go, <laughs> right. hey, audience, what do you like about my show? Because a lot of times, and this is the problem, is either they're going to tell you and you're not going to like the answer or they're not going to tell you, which you're not going to like that answer either. Right. So a lot of times experimentation becomes your ally is make a change, make a little change, make a tiny change rather than uh, than like completely niche down right away. Start niching down slowly, like every third episode, every two episodes, do something in that vein until you either see the needle shift up mm -hmm. or down. And if it starts going down, okay, then maybe, maybe that's not the place to go. Or, and you got to remember, there's a time frame in this too. You can't just do it once and go, nothing happened. That's it. I'm out. No, you're going to have to do like 10 shows. And then podcasting is kind of like that. I'm not too sure what, what video is like, but I imagine with the number of videos out there, 10 shows sounds right for video too. Right. Is, is do 10 in that niche. What's the worst thing could happen? No one will watch them. Okay. Okay. That didn't work. That experiment may or may not work. Or those 10 shows didn't work then. This is the great thing about content is people go back and find your stuff from last year, two years ago. And they're like, wow, yes. I totally love those 10 episodes you did. Can you do more? And that's when you'll get engagement. This is the beauty thing about creating content like this is your audience at some point, someone will go, I need to tell this guy something. And that's when you're going to enjoy that experimentation actually working. Something that's interesting I noticed is that you have given your podcasts very unique names. They're not, you know, <laughs> it's not the show about design or, you know, the design podcast or how to design your pod. A lot of people name name their their podcasts or their live stream shows thinking about SEO. What is somebody going to search for? And so being creative takes a back seat to Hey, I want to be the first person to come up in iTunes when somebody or Apple Podcasts when somebody searches for a certain keyword. Um, I remember I was at, I was considering or I had I had kind of not done a podcast for a while, and I remember I was talking to uh, Rob Waltz from uh, Libsyn. And he's like, "Look, I type live streaming into uh, iTunes, and you come up like third and fifth or something. Why don't you get back to doing those podcasts?" Yes, just something like that. I, I don't know that it means anybody's listening, but it, it was like I had carved out the space. So where where do you fall on like, do I go with the obvious title or do I go with something really creative and memorable, but not something that'll necessarily come up in a topic search when somebody's going, how do I do this? Let me search for design or let me search for live streaming. That's a that's a great topic because as an IT guy, this one resonates a lot because I I see the challenge that that why this has happened. You gotta remember the have some history. You know, Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, their search used to be bad. Uh, Google search used to be bad. You you know, YouTube owned by Google, their search used to be bad. It's not bad anymore. At least the Google and, and iTunes, Apple Podcasts has gotten the message. They're starting to, you know, they realize there's some competitors at the gate right. and you start proving some things. So search in those tools will not be bad forever. This is a key point because before keywords were the only way to be found in a lot of those, those platforms. Now it's no longer going to be keywords. It's going to be context. And as context starts to become more and more important, you're going to be known for your content more than the actual name of your show is how is this going to happen. This allows some things to happen. There's four types of names. There's functional, 
there is invented, there is experiential, and there's evocative. Right. Functional names are, and uh, I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, entrepreneur on fire, entrepreneur mm-hmm. on fire, school of podcasting. Those are functional names. Makes perfect sense, right? You know exactly what you're getting there. Uh, invented names is like uh, Akoya or, you know, Veritas. <laughs> you know, you get these kind of like the Latin, a lot of Latin names live in this cold world of the, of the uh, invented names. You get, uh, you get you know experiential names like explorer or navigator or you know those kind of things, those kind of work in there. Evocative are the hardest because evocative is trying to emote a feeling. Mm. It's very you could get my go back to uh, to Tim Bryan my my he's my poetry guru. You're trying to evoke a feeling. You think about Apple. What does Apple have to do with computers? Nothing. <laughs> well, well, why is Apple named Apple? Well, because every other computer company in that space at the time was named Dell, NEC, Gateway. Uh, uh, there's a couple of, you know, Comcast or Com, Comcheck. There's a couple other ones, uh, Packard Bell, all right. these different cold, you know, IBM, whatever, Trash 80. You have all these kind of things living in that world. And then Apple comes around. What's Apple? It's different. That's what they think. It's a fruit, but it also has to do with the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. It has the, you know, Apple has a very lot of symbolic nature to it. It starts to become separated from everything else. That's what you want to be. You want to be separated from everybody else. You want a name that doesn't sound like everybody else. So part of the design process is who lives in your space and what are they calling themselves? Mm. If every business podcast you are in your space is called the business of or the business pod or the business show, you probably should not have the word business in your name. Make it something else. And this is a hard thing. This is not an easy thing. Naming something is very hard, personal. But just know this. No committee ever liked the name that was good. No committee ever did any kind of you think about Virgin Airlines, the committee that helped you pick Virgin as the name for Virgin Airlines hated the name right. Virgin I means it's a novice. Uh, it's someone who doesn't know anything and that kind of well, it, it also becomes fresh and you know perfect and pure. The, the evocative nature of naming helps identify and separate you from the rest of the pack that tells everybody. I'm different and also has some symbology into it that connects you to what you actually are talking about. This is why naming has to be done last. Right. You have to know what you're talking about and where your position is and what your bias is before you can name your show. That's Kyle two cents. Well, I never would have searched for pod wrecked things get squished pause for dramatic effect or any of your other podcasts. Uh, but now that, I know a little bit about you, and now that I know what those podcasts are about, those names stand out beyond many of the names of podcasts because they they do evoke. They do create a certain emotion and a certain, like, and it's very well aligned with the content, so... Um, appreciate that. It's thank pretty you. awesome. Kyle Bondo, thank you so much for joining us, Kyle. You can find them at GagglePod and also uh, the course is at podcastworthy.com. And you'll be speaking this Saturday, right? Joe Pardo's super entrepreneur event. Uh, I'll be speaking as well. It's uh, it's not about podcasting alone. It's about uh, on. It's all about entrepreneurial aspects of your you know your business and your career, and um, as well as mixing in a little bit about digital tools. I'm going to talk about video, and you are going to mention podcasting a couple times, but. <laughs> it is a it is a like my oh, talk yeah. is for about live video isn't going to be for 
advanced live streamers. It's going to be for people who are not, you know, have to work from home and like get on a Zoom call. How can they step up their game where they want to start live streaming? It's for that that kind of content. Could be a good review for for other people. Um, tell us about about your talk real quick before we wrap up. So I'll be talking about brand podcasting, and this is a trend that's going on right now where a fast company called it the ads that people want to listen to. And the problem with it is, it could be, I, because I run a show called Podrect, is these are probably the podcasts that get the who smash the most on the rocks, where they start to 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 create a infomercial. No one wants to hear a forty five minute infomercial. So how do you create a podcast or create content that? helps you sell your sell your company your product or service without actually selling your product or service and you know, sneak peek your spoiler alert um it's uh, it's by solving a customer's problem right Ooh, it goes back to that give 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 yeah yeah you're noticing a theme forming that's uh, yes. that's right <laughs> well thanks again kyle it's great having you on and uh check out kyle again gagglepod gagglepod.com and podcastworthy.com and check out his podcast anywhere you like to listen to podcasts all across the different apps and services thanks again for for joining us it's great having you on cool thanks a lot ross take care